with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast at IdahoSports.com talking about the 8-Man Game week in, week out in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. That guy is Will Henneke. Will, we have reached the postseason. All that hard work during the regular season leads to this weekend. What an exciting time, huh? Oh, you actually worked hard? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's... This is this is what it's all about, and I know there are a lot of teams uh, not at the dance, so to speak, that have, you know, put the football gear away and grabbed their their wrestling shoes or their basketball shoes, and they're getting ready for the next sport. But for the the teams that are still playing, boy, this is this is what it's all about. Yeah, I think people think I just talk sports all day and do the like. There's there's a lot of other stuff I do that is uh, behind the scenes. But uh, we're at that time of year where it, it gets very busy, but we're very excited. Um, as of right now, it's it's not officially set in stone, but there are 29 games around the state of Idaho for the opening round of the postseason. And IdahoSports.com at the moment will be broadcasting 22 of the 29 first round games, which is pretty darn impressive. If you ask me, that's really good. That's really good. Yep. I'm excited. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for that because, uh, I didn't get the call this week. So I'll be, uh, I'll be sitting at home over the three days, just, uh, you know, checking out games, different classifications, different areas, different teams. Uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's really weird. Cause where you're at in the treasure Valley, will there's just, there's not many games period. Like there's, it's going to be a quiet week in the treasure Valley. Yeah, that it seems to happen. It either seems to be like 18 games here or like one. There there doesn't ever seem to be much in between. Yeah. Uh it's uh, so anyways, uh, 22 of 29 games with live broadcasters that know the teams, know the players. You're not getting just a still shot. You're not getting people that don't know the teams and the players and the stories. You're getting the best, and that is with idahosports.com. It's something we take pride in. So, uh again, you can go to our website, idahosports.com, click on game streams. It's right across the top of the homepage to see uh, officially what we will be covering um, this weekend. So, and, and of course, of the 22 games we're broadcasting, several eight-man contests. This is the time of year where my alter ego comes out, Will. Brackets Bainey, because I love looking at the brackets and breaking down the action. So we're going to throw them up on the screen here. It's going to lop off half our face. It's going to look real awkward, but... Not awkward. It's going to be an improvement, man. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> right. We didn't get here because of our stunning good looks. <laughs> we got it because nobody else wanted the job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So if you're watching the video version of this podcast on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll be able to see the bracket up on the screen. Maybe make the screen full size so you can see um, you know, it uh, a little more clearly. If you are listening audio only at idahosports.com and wherever you download your podcasts, that's totally fine. We've got all the brackets right on the homepage at idahosports.com and you can follow along there. You'll definitely want to use our brackets. Uh, there, there are other brackets floating around out there on other, you know, places that don't have, you know, complete info. You know, they're missing some times and dates and locations. And we've got all that information except. Uh, honestly, at this point, as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Will, one game we still don't know yet. If there's any Clark Fork or Castle Ford fans out there, I'm sending out the bat signal. Could you please tell me when your game is going to be, what day and what time? I know it's going to be in Clark Fork, but I don't know anything beyond that. 
I'm putting a call out. So maybe we'll see if one of the fans can tell us when that. Well, is that a game that maybe they would play at Holt Arena or something just because the distance between Castle Ford and Clark Fork is that's pretty significant. So we we know it's going to be up north. Right. It's it's Clark Fork is supposed to be the host school. Maybe it's the secret game. Maybe it's the game that no one's supposed to know the outcome. And then, you know, the next week, who, who would they play? Who would they hang on? Let me get my D2 bracket up. Just well, uh, well, let's let's pull it up. Let's let's okay, do so it. That's council. That's the one AD two. the winner of Clark Fork Castle Ford plays council. Maybe they've agreed that council can go ahead and set the day and time for that. But they just don't know who their opponent's going to be until they get off the bus. <laughs> Oh, that would be fascinating for sure. Um, yeah, that's, you know, we're joking here, of course. We just, we haven't heard back from anybody um, at either of those schools yet on when that game is going to take place. So if you're a Wolves fan or a Wampus Cat fan, um, let us know. Uh, we would love to complete our bracket here because as you'll see, here's the 1AD2 bracket. Uh, in the opening round, let's just start at the top. You've got Water Springs hosting Camas County, Friday afternoon at 3.30. No lights at Water Springs Field. So this will be uh, one of those matinee games. Will, if you'll remember, last year, the official kickoff to the Idaho football postseason involved Camas County playing a 3.30 game. It was at North Gym, and the Mushers scored the biggest upset of the opening round. This time, I think Camas County, despite being the road team, comes in as the favorite. Yeah, probably. Uh, Water Springs is a, is a solid team. Drew Plocker, uh, we've talked about him a number of times on this podcast. Outstanding athlete, contributes in every aspect of the ball uh, of the game for for Water Springs. But you go to that Camas County side, uh, you know, you've got the three Smiths and all of their buddies, if you will. It's a very balanced, it's a very balanced team. It's a very fast team. And uh, they may be seed 4C, but I think there are people that would argue that once you get beyond Kendrick out of District 2, the next three teams in a lot of people's minds might all be from District 4. That might be those top three, those Dietrich, Castle, Ford, and Camas County. So, you know, I, I don't know that the Mushers, I, I don't know you could, if you could call them your typical three seed. Yeah, they finished third uh, up in, in District 4, but that's because the two teams that were ahead of them are arguably two of the best three teams in the state. Yeah, and it's it's been that we and we we knew this coming into the preseason that Dietrich, Castle Ford, Camas County were all going to be duking it out, and it was going to be pretty fascinating uh, football yep. to watch. Certainly, yep. so yes, uh, Water Springs uh, will have their work cut out for them, but um, they do have the advantage of playing at home. Uh, and for Water Springs, pretty exciting that they got to the playoffs as well. You know, I think coming into the season, most people were like, yeah, Rockland, North Gen, they made it last year. They'll probably make it again this year. So it's been a nice year for uh, a new coaching staff uh, at co uh, at Water Springs as well. Yeah, they've they've done a nice job. And it's, uh, you know, it hasn't been the picture-perfect season. You know, they've they've been on the wrong end of a, of a couple tough scores. But they're, they're, they're a talented team, and they're going to give Camas County all they can handle for sure. And the winner of that will advance to play Kendrick, the champion uh, from District 2, kind of the favorite coming into this whole postseason bracket deal. Kind uh, of the favorite. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't want it to be so declarative, but yes, they're the yeah. heavy favorite. How about Kendrick actually got to play a full game finally last Friday? Will they play Deary in their regular season finale? Yep. That is something that that I have I've wondered about a lot is, is how, if at all, that's going to impact Kendrick in the postseason 
especially when they get potentially a little bit deeper into the playoffs and they see a council, they see a Dietrich, whoever it may be. They they just, of late, through no fault of their own, and I want to emphasize that, they just haven't played a ton of football for the better part of the last month. If, you know, they played a quarter here and a quarter there, and that's if they've played at all. So the fact that, that Deary was able to stand in there and compete with them for four quarters, no matter the outcome, I'm guessing that there are a lot of people in Kendrick that are really appreciative of that just because their, their kids need the work. You know what I mean? Definitely. So when you go to our site, idahosports.com, and you check out the standings or the team pages or whatever you're looking at, and you look at Kendrick, you'll see that the Tigers are listed as, you know, obviously undefeated, but uh, they're listed as 9-0. and Now, of that 9-0 and record, one of those quote-unquote wins was a forfeit. Timberline had the forfeit. So they didn't actually play that game, but it counts in Kendrick's ledger, especially for the for the conference. You have Wilbur Crest and Keller, which was a game called off in the third quarter. Liberty Bell, Washington, which was called off in early in the second quarter. And then Tico Rosalia from Washington as well that was called off midway through the second quarter. So four now, of for these. For those of you living in North Idaho and are familiar with the terrain, I'm an Oaksdale guy. My dad lives in Oaksdale. So anytime Tico Rosalia takes it, you know, to the forehead like Kendrick did to them, I'm good with that. So good on you, Kendrick. Good on you. All right. Um, so uh, of those four wins, really it equaled not even an entire game of football. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a game of football. So that that's what we're talking about with Kendrick. Their record uh, is nine and oh, but uh, you know, in terms of actual games played, it hasn't been that much. So, uh, anyways, they'll have another week off here to rest up. Uh, Lane Clemenhagen had an 85 yard punt return for a touchdown Friday night. Ty kept uh, six of nine passing, you know, his usual stat line. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Water Springs, Camus, somebody will be traveling to Kendrick right below that is our mystery game that we kind of talked about a little bit. Castle Ford and Clark Fork. You know, I just heard actually from our boss, Paul Kingsbury, as we were recording this, sounds like maybe Saturday at 1 p.m. in Clark Fork, which would be cool. Yo, Clark Fork's a great place. For people who've never been up to that Lake Ponderay area, you know, Sandpoint, Clark Fork, et cetera, I'll take it over McCall. I'll take it over Sun Valley. I'll take it over pretty much any quote-unquote resort destination area in this state. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area up there. I, I I love it. I love that part of the Panhandle just as far as, you know, I'm I'm looking for somewhere to take my family for a vacation. That area is number one, and it to me, it's not close. Yeah, and it's we've talked about this throughout the season how exciting it is that uh, Clark Fork actually gets to compete in the playoffs. Finally, the North Star League got two bids to the postseason instead of the one that Mullen St. Regis has kind of had the stranglehold on. Um, the last couple of years. Obviously, I think, again, second game in a row where the road team is probably favored. Castle Ford's been a top five and really a top three team most of the year in in most of the rankings and metrics. And, you know, Castle Ford's got all of those interchangeable athletes, Ethan Rowland and Jamie Ramos and Gabe Mahana and really good blocking up front. You know, Clark Fork's got Chase Sanro. Is it Chase or Carter? I can't remember. Carter was last year. Chase okay. is this year. Okay. Chase San Roman, who's a great running back. 
Um, but for Clark Fork, they need to play their absolute best game of the season, I think, even though well, they're they, playing at home. They've got, you know, they've got the home field advantage and and they're they're a pretty good team. You know, it's it's gonna be tough for Castle Ford to ride the bus for what's gonna feel like a week from the Magic Valley almost all the way up to Canada. And metaphorically speaking, not literally, but metaphorically, to get off the bus and go play. And you mentioned that Cat the Clark Fork, that community, that team. They're going to be pumped just to finally be back in the playoffs for the first time in several years. So, I mean, I expect this to be a fairly close game. I do think Castle Ford has a little bit of edge athletically. So as long as, as long as it's not like some sort of a monsoon or a snowstorm or something that mitigates Castle Ford's athleticism a little bit, uh, I, I would expect Castle Ford to win, but um, you know, I, I do, I can easily see a scenario where Clark Fork finds a way to, to get a win and to keep playing. Yeah. And then, um, I, I just looked this up, Will 631 miles from Castle Ford to Clark Fork, 10 hours, 13 minutes. No. And yeah. I'm going to guess just because most schools don't exactly travel, you know, first class charter airfare. 630 miles on one of those yellow school buses. Eh, personally, I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the players are going to be excited to get on the bus and go, but man, that's that's going to be a long, long, long bus ride. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Castle Ford and Clark Fork have met fairly recently, Will, not in football, but in volleyball. They played each other at the state volleyball tournament two years ago. Uh, Castle Ford swept the Wampus Cats. And so uh, that's really where this renaissance kind of started at Castle Ford, this great group of male and female athletes that have come through the school. You know, the volleyball team was very successful two years ago. And then obviously last year with, with Castle Ford's deep run in the playoffs, it's, it's been a nice little renaissance uh, period for Castle Ford. I know the, the fans there are very excited. So, yeah, yeah it's, and it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from, from here because this is a senior heavy team. Um, I don't want to say the window closes because I don't think you can ever say that at eight man football, but uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to retool things a little bit and they're going to need some kids to step forward next year. But you know, if, if you're one of those seniors, if you're that coaching staff, if you're that community, okay, we'll worry about that in June and July. Let's, let's go do some damage now. Let's see if we can get a banner to hang up in our gym. Definitely. And so the winner of that will advance to play council, the Lumberjacks were the champions of District 3. Let's go to our next game on the bottom half of the bracket now. This is an intriguing one to me. Horseshoe Bend at Dietrich. This will be Thursday night at 7 o'clock. This is so the 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 Idaho high school postseason is getting a jump start on Thursday night, Will, with a pair of eight-man games in the Magic Valley. Horseshoe Bend at Dietrich is one of them. We will be covering this on IdahoSports.com and Horseshoe Bend is a team that kind of took it on the nose a couple of weeks ago and in back-to-back losses to, to Council and Garden Valley. And then they didn't get to play last week. They were mm-hmm. set to play Meadows Valley in a game where we talked about it. The percentages were probably low, but if Horseshoe Bend had lost and Tri-Valley had won, then Tri-Valley would have gotten that third playoff spot. Well, it didn't matter. Meadows Valley forfeited, so Horseshoe Bend got it anyway. So they've got kind of they've kind of had a mini buy. Um, to prepare yeah. for Dietrichs, which I think will help them out immensely. And that was a bad break when there's a team that needs another team to lose to have a chance. But Meadows Valley was just out of kids. You know, they were, 
you know, those kids and those coaches were competing their butts off with just the bare minimum of kids for the better part of the last month. So it's unfortunate that it happened, but um, it, it did. Um, but you're right. I think the break for Horseshoe Bend, uh, I think, can be can be a good thing. You know, rest up any bumps and bruises because just like, you know, whoever goes into Kendrick in two weeks, whether it's Water Springs or Camas, you know, whoever, you know, Horseshoe Bend is facing another thousand pound gorilla. You know, Dietrich, they got first place votes in the coaches poll, you know, and I don't think anybody really saw that coming a month ago, not out of disrespect for, for Dietrich, but because everyone thinks so highly of Kendrick, but now people, people who are coaches are starting to look at that Dietrich team and say, you know what? maybe they've got something there and and I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back because I've been on the Dietrich train since August. And, and I think that they have a chance. They're on the opposite side of Kendrick. If it works out where Dietrich and Kendrick are in the state championship, I think that has a chance to be a really fun football game. Uh, but Dietrich is going to have to go through Horseshoe Bend and then Rockland and then someone else in the semifinal to get there. So they've still got some work to do. But it's a tough draw for Horseshoe Bend because Dietrich is a very, very good team. Cody Power, uh, uh, Peyton Snedden, you go down the list. You know Perkins, Robeson. You got just a number of kids in in that uh, in that Dietrich, you know, huddle that can that can hurt you. So it's interesting. Each of these teams now has had, and and Horseshoe Bend, I think, probably knew that their game against Meadows may not happen right coaches kind of know yeah i i don't think that that was a huge surprise yeah so you know they instead of preparing for meadows valley they could have taken some time to prepare for dietrich so that and whereas dietrich had a game last week um, well i mean maybe horseshoe ben's coaches all jumped in you know coach elliott's uh you know vw beetle or whatever it is he drives and they went and watched the game you know you see that a lot yeah uh, when i went up to that uh, a few weeks ago, I went up to watch Council and Garden Valley play. There were other coaches from the long pin that were just there to watch the game. So, you know, if if they had a chance, if if Coach Elliott at Horseshoe Bend and his staff, if they had a chance to sneak away and go watch Dietrich themselves, there are things you're going to pick up watching it in person versus just watching a coach's film. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if they knew and they were able to plan for this uh, to, to have that ability to go watch. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one and or multiple coaches went. Yeah, and that's an, another wrinkle to this matchup that's pretty intriguing. Winner of this game will get Rockland. Rockland left no doubt. They were the best team in the Rocky Mountain Conference. They beat yep. North Gem pretty pretty easily. In terms of you know who matches up with Rockland, you know I feel like Dietrich is pretty similar to Rockland, right? They can air it out. They've got big, tall playmakers that they can get the ball to. Horseshoe Bend is more of the ground and pound, right? Your classic eight-man team. And so, I don't know. If it was Horseshoe Bend against Rockland, I could see the Mustangs giving Rockland some problems with with a ball control offense, but be interesting. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see because Rockland has played pretty well the last couple of weeks, uh, obviously, to to get to the, uh, you know, to win their, to win their district and to earn – uh, the A seed out of District 5 and 6, but they're 4 and 4. You know, they've had a couple of tough weeks. They've had to make some adjustments. The thing is, is those adjustments, moving Teague Matthews from wide receiver to quarterback and moving Gavin Perman out to wide receiver, they seem to be working. 
yeah, those two alone connected what three times on Friday yep. for a touchdown. Yep. So yeah, we we will see. And then our last matchup at the bottom, Lewis County. The lat you know, last year the Eagles were kind of favored against Timberline in that final game of the year. And uh, that was a wild shootout. I, it was like 80 something to 70. It, I mean, it was it was crazy. At, at the time, head coach Monty Madrell said, Well, you know, we just we didn't make the stop we needed. It, it was uh, our defense didn't play that well, and 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 the winner of that game was going to play carry last year, anyways. And he kind of made a joke about you know, hey, uh, we just didn't want to play carry, <laughs> and that's yeah, why no we kidding. get out of the way, let him go. Yeah, right. So, but this year they get redemption in a, in a much different game. Twenty eight to six was the final. This is the Lewis County team that's learning how to win and play without its top playmaker in Ty Hambly. You know, it, it's kind of you know, kind of wild when you think about it, you know, Ty Hambley as a junior was the conference's uh, MVP, you know, in a conference that includes Kendrick, you know, and includes other good programs. Hambley was that good last year. And then uh, he gets injured. You go back to whatever it was week three, I think um, when they were playing council, you know, who is in this tournament as well. And they got tackled at the one yard line on the last play of the game, or they would have beaten council, and that was the game where Hambly got hurt. He played through it. He played. He played basically two quarters on on one leg because he injured his knee. And yet Lewis County, for the most part, they're they're six and two. You know they 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 lost that game. They lost to Kendrick. But other than that, the Eagles still took care of business. So they may not be as flashy. They may not be as explosive. But what they've what I've been really impressed with watching them go along. They're still finding a way to win football games, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. And and Garden Valley is a team they've only lost once. You know, they only lost that council game. So maybe these two can swap war stories about how they really don't like the, the council lumberjacks. But, um, you know, the, these these are both two. They're two good teams that know how to win. I think um, the 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 depth, if you will, is, is going to be advantage Garden Valley. Um um, when I watched Garden Valley, they were, uh, and, and granted, let's take it with a grain of salt. They were playing one of the top five teams in the state. They, they had to grind it out a little bit on offense. They had to work on offense. They had players and Tacoma Kelly got hurt and he had to go out of that game at one point. Um, they weren't able to hit too many home runs. And it seems like from what I've been able to see of Lewis County, they don't give up a ton of home runs. So maybe this is, and by eight-man parlance, this is a low-scoring game, but maybe it's a, a 38-28 type game, 28-12, to 12, something like that. And, and maybe it's maybe it's that sort of game. You know, uh, Garden Valley has some tough between-the-guards runners, and if they're able to establish that, they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah, you mentioned it. Lewis County has kind of changed to your classic power rushing team, Wyatt Webb and Gage Crow and Aiden McLeod of all elevated their game in recent weeks to where uh, before if you told Lewis County fans that it's going to be a shootout, they'd go, yeah, we like our chances. Now it's the opposite where, Hey, the lower the score, the more that's going to favor us. It's been a really interesting twist that Lewis County has had to adjust to. And they've, they've made the twist pretty well. So again, well, that me... speaks highly of not only the coaches, the ability to adapt the game plan and to adapt what they're going to do, but also to the kids to be able to go out there and execute it. Because when you're used to turning around and seeing where Ty Hambly is 
and just saying Ty's here, Ty's going to take care of us to wake up, you know, one morning and realize he's not there anymore, but still be able to shift on the fly and win a lot of football games. How many times, Brandon, have we seen a team that has had like that one guy, that one star, and that star gets hurt, and all of a sudden the team loses three or four straight games until the other player gets back? It's We see it on nearly a yearly basis. And, and Lewis County, to their credit, it may not have always been sexy. It may have not have always been flashy. It may not have always been beautiful or even pretty. But they they found a way to keep winning football games. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, you you mentioned that Garden Valley is the team that has better depth. Last year, the Wolverines made the playoffs and had to travel to Rockland for the opening round, and I I called that game, and it was the opposite. Where Garden Valley was the team that was a little dinged up. You know, they ended up playing I think three different kids at quarterback in that game. They had a pretty uh, awful uh, leg injury. You know in the third quarter of that game that kind of took the wind out of their sails. And so for garden Valley, this has been a nice turnaround for them to be the team. That's got some depth and some playmakers to work on. They were really uh, running on fumes almost last year when they got to yeah. that. And, and they're still a pretty young team too. Um, you know, Aaron Noakes, Jaden hunt, the kind of the heart and soul of that Wolverine defense, they're seniors, but you look around elsewhere and it's a lot of young kids. So that's a team that that garden Valley team for, for head coach Jason Yearsley there. They're gonna they're gonna build off this no matter what happens. They could run through to the semifinals or even the championship game, or they could go one and done. But either way, it's it's a building block for those younger kids. Yeah, and the winner of this matchup plays Mullen St. Regis. The Tigers get the first round by. They get the home quarterfinal game as well. This to me is the side of the bracket where it's like, I have no idea. Like 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 Dietrich, we think is the over overwhelming favorite, but beyond that. Yeah, it could be any of these teams. I, honestly, I could yeah. see any of these teams making a run through the bracket. I, I think it could. The the Mullen St. Regis team in years past with Luke Trogdon and Adam Ball, you kind of knew they're the bulldozers. They're the guys. They still have Caleb Ball, and he's a great player, and he has had a great year. But, you know, Blake Layton, Floyd Nelson, um, Pruitt, you know, they they it's it's been a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And when I've talked to some coaches around the league, there are some people that to this day don't really have a firm grasp on how good they think Mullen St. Regis is. They're they're seven and two, but a lot of that was confined up north, and a lot of that also came against Montana teams. So there's not a lot of that um, transitive properties, if you will, the comparative analysis that can be done. I think everyone knows the, the Tigers are good. Everyone knows that, but how good? And I think that that's what, whether it's Lewis County or whether it's Garden Valley, either one of those teams, I think when that game's over, we're going to be able to say, okay, now we know. Right. Uh, Mullen St. Regis ended up playing two different Montana opponents this year, superior uh, like they do uh, every year to start off the year. And then they also played Chinook. They picked up that game midseason trying to compare and this is not going to be a straight you know apples to oranges type comparison but you know superior is kind of like the big dog that would be like like the the carry yeah that's a good program yes they're just consistently good year in year out they've got the big numbers kind of like a butte county they've got 
you know, they, they could play 11 man football if they wanted to with, with the numbers they have. Yeah. Um, and, and if then, I'm Stetson Spooner, if I'm the head coach at Mullen St. Regis and Jesse Allen, his, his co-coach, I don't mind. I don't mind for a second that coaches down in Southern Idaho aren't really sure what to expect from me. I kind of like that. I kind of like the unknown factor a little bit. And, and I hope if, if I'm those coaches, I hope it puts a little chip on my shoulders, kids, uh, or uh, on the kids' shoulders, if you will. Because, guys, this is the third year we've been here, and people still aren't sure if we can play. Let's go show them. Um, I do think they're good enough to win a couple games, you know, especially depending on how the, the, the matchups break down. Um, but but it, it's not going to be, you know, whether it's Lewis County or whether it's Garden Valley, either one of those teams is going to give them a test, you know. And then you get into that semifinal against – I would assume Dietrich, but obviously Horseshoe Bend and Rockland are going to have something to say about that. That's going to be another test, you know, and, and it's it's an opportunity for those kids up there in, in Mullen and, and St. Regis. It's an opportunity for them to show the rest of the state, much like, you know, Clark Fork with their game against Castle Fort. Hey, District 1 can ball a little bit. You know, this is their chance. Yeah, I think I think the the best way to describe Mullen St. Regis, I look at the two Montana games that they lost, and each of those teams, Superior and Chinook, are both eight and one. By the way, so they're two of Montana's best. They lost and, just oh, go ahead. Yeah. And both those games were were fairly tight at halftime. You know, maybe yes. one score off, and then um, you know Mullen just kind of runs out of gas, as as can happen when you're playing a great team. You know, a game that a game that's maybe twenty eight twenty at halftime, all of a sudden you look up and it's 56 to 26 and it feels like a slaughter but it really wasn't and and both those games against those Montana teams there was a, a bit of a degree of that uh, for Mullen St. Regis they weren't completely overwhelmed um, you know they were beaten they lost but they it wasn't like they were just destroyed from the word go in either one of those games. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. They lost to Superior 50 to 32 and then they lost to Chinook 42 to 26 kind of different so the superior game they held tight for a half and then, you know, couldn't cash in on a, on a drive or two in the third quarter while superior did the, the Chinook game was the opposite. Mullen started slow and got down two scores early and then Matt Chinook score for score the rest of the way, but they could never make up that, that two score deficit. They fell behind early. So to me, it comes down to if Mullen St. Regis can cash in on their offensive drives and not have any empty possessions, they can hang with any team in this bracket. Yeah, avoid if, the if, turnovers. If, Maybe if, I just should have let you talk instead of cutting you off and <laughs> and running on and just let you make your point. No, that's totally fine. I I do think though they have to almost score on every drive because defensively they against the better teams they give up big plays and they've given up they've given up some points. So for Mullins and Regis, it's possible their degree of error is is lower than some other teams that are in the field. I would say so. That's the 1A D2 bracket. Let's let's talk 1A D1 where there was some interesting stuff going on with the Max Preps rankings will even up till Sunday where at one point we thought okay, the bracket's been updated. You had Murtaugh as the 9 seed at Lighthouse, the 8 seed, even though Murtaugh had just defeated Lighthouse and you're like how the heck does that work? And then they came out with a very late update on Sunday and it had flip-flopped and Murtaugh now hosts lighthouse this is at the bottom of the bracket we're starting there because they play on thursday night to kind of kick it off 
that's a game that I will be at, Will. So I'm very intrigued to see Lighthouse and Murtaugh, the rematch. They played only a week ago. How do you think the rematch goes? Uh, I would. Ex- I think that's a, a an evenly matched game. I think that uh, you got a Lighthouse, a team that they'll they'll spread it out and they'll go crazy a little bit on you. Um, Jack DeJong, the wide receiver, and Justice Schrader, the quarterback. That's a good tandem there. They're going to make some big plays, and whereas Murtaugh, you know, they're not. It's not like they're not going to make big plays, but they may be a little more likely to get behind their pads and pound on you a little bit. And you know, I think it should be a pretty good football game. I think the team that takes care of the ball, and I know people are saying, "Duh, Will, no kidding," but the team that takes care of the ball is, is probably going to win for exactly the reason you said when we were talking about some of those D two matchups. If you turn the ball over a couple of times, if you come up empty a couple of times, and then you subsequently don't get stops, and all of a sudden you're chasing 14, 16 points right out of the shoot, that can be really tough to make up. So ball security, I think, is going to be pivotal uh, in that matchup to see who can get it done. Um, You know, I like Murtaugh by a whisker, but will not be even kind of surprised if Lighthouse Christian wins that game because, as we expected, as soon as Lighthouse Christian got out of murderer's row, you know, those first five games, I think all those teams are in this bracket. Um, as soon as they got out of murderer's row, they've been okay. You know, they've been a pretty good football team. Yeah, so Murtaugh won that matchup last Friday, 28-8. to eight, And Murtaugh came in with, I think, an excellent game plan. We know that Lighthouse Christian wants to throw the ball around the yard and score lots of points. Let's run ball control. And keep the ball away from them. Yeah. And I mean, look at the look at these numbers. Will uh, Reagan Fitzpatrick had 26 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Eli Merrick added uh, 114 yards on 16 carries and two touchdowns. As a team, Murtaugh rushed for 392 yards. They had 413 yards total of offense. They pretty much stuck exclusively to the ground game kept that lighthouse Christian offense off the field. And yeah, they only won 28 to eight, but they cashed in on just about every drive and chewed up the clock along the way. Well, and that's the thing in eight man football. I think people who aren't familiar with eight man football, they expect it to just be 80 yard touchdown upon 80 yard touchdown upon 80 yard touchdown. But if, if your game is ball control and you've got, whether it's a fullback or it's a halfback, either one that can just kind of get right in between the garden center and pick you up four or five yards every time, and you can have a couple of five, six-minute drives, you can flip a game. You can flip a game big time and not even have a single 10-yard run. You know, everybody loves the 80-yard runs, but there, I'm sure there are a lot of coaches that will tell you, you know, you can give me one 80-yard run or 10 8-yard runs. Give me the 10 8-yard runs because that just took four minutes off the clock. That's right. And you you mentioned it for Lighthouse Christian. The turnovers hurt them. Uh, Justice Schrader, 6 of 17 passing through three interceptions. And and Lighthouse as well was 0 for 7 on third down, which they, I mean, they they can't win if they if they can't convert third downs. That's, That's just, tough. You can't play behind the sticks against anybody, especially a team that is running the ball effectively and keeping the ball out of your offense's hands. Yep. And so uh, first year head coach at Lighthouse, uh, Jason Smith, uh, is, is kind of come in with this uh, experiment. It's it's not an experiment for him. It's an experiment for Idaho where uh, he runs this wide open spread offense and it's worked very well for him down in Florida. Uh, I'm very interested to see how it works as we get 
to colder weather and into the postseason. It'll be fascinating to see how that style develops here. But what a what an opening round game. Uh, the the one right above it will might be even better. And this is another game that I'll be at on Saturday. I made sure I got the the good eight man matchups here. It's you got it's, some good ones. It's Clearwater Valley, the 10 seed at Raft River, the 7 seed. The Trojans are, are a little dinged up right now. They're they're hurting a little bit. And yeah. so, you know, if you look just at the scores the last couple of weeks ago, boy, Raft River is not coming in with much uh, action. But really, injuries are catching up to them. That's going to be, I think, the determining factor for this game is Clearwater Valley, generally speaking, uh, they're pretty healthy, but what they also are, which we have seen a couple of times right here on Idaho Sports, games that I've seen myself, they're willing to play a fairly physical brand of football. You know, they're willing to, you know, Bass Myers and Anthony Carter and Louis Fabi and, and, you know, you go on down the list, Carson Schilling, Tiago Pickering. They're willing to play kind of a physical, get behind the pads and bang on you kind of game. And if Raft River is beat up, and let's not, you know, let's not lie about it here. They're pretty beat up. They'll be the ones to tell you. You know, they're not, you know, they they may not be better than Kerry. They're not 50 to nothing worse than Kerry, you know. Um, so if, you, if you're Clearwater Valley and you have an advantage, and that advantage is maybe we're just going to play some power football here, um, especially when you're going on the road to Raft River. That's a tough place to play. If you can take that advantage – and you can lean on them a little bit and basically do what Murtaugh did to Lighthouse Christian. Uh, you know, if I'm Alan Hutchins, I if I don't have to throw the ball, I don't know that I am throwing the ball, even though, you know, maybe some big plays present itself. But if I'm able to lean on you a little bit by running the football, you know, he's got a number of kids who are very capable runners. I think that's that I think that's where I would lean. I think I would make Raft River stop me and make me throw the football. And if they do, Hats off to Chad Evans and his kids. That's great work by them. But I think that that's how I would start. And I just think, too, you know, Raft River, it's not like they backed into the playoffs or coasted into the playoffs. But I think they've known for uh, several weeks now that, hey, Max Preps and all that good stuff. And we're in good position. We're going to have a playoff spot. And they've had a couple of kids out for the better part of a month now. And I don't know what their situation is as far as getting back. But, like, Treg Whitaker, one of their more valuable players. He's been hurt and he's been out. Tate Whitaker, you know, looked like he went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, so those are some those are some important players. These aren't like backup linebackers twisting an ankle on kickoff coverage. These are really important players that Raft River is has been playing without or in limited capacity in the last few weeks. And and that really impacts what the Trojans have been able to get done. Yeah. And so you look at it in, in Raft River, I think for a while has known, you know, we're, we're in the playoffs, you know, we would have to really stumble across the finish line to not make the playoffs. Conversely, Clearwater Valley has been in playoff mode now for what, a month? Yeah, no, we three met. Weeks, four weeks. We were talking about them being a bubble team two, three weeks ago. Yeah. And so they have been, they've been in playoff mode now for, for the last three games they're they're more battle tested they're more engaged i think and they just okay hey this is our fourth playoff game we've had to go on the road to other places to win let's go ahead and do it again i i really like clearwater valley in this matchup for that reason they've just been yeah. locked in and engaged in playoff mode for a long time now yeah and, and i mean i've had a few people that have asked me and it's a conversation we've had on this podcast what's clearwater valley doing as a 10 how i mean what 
what did they need to do to grow that score? And we've talked about the transparency or lack thereof of the Max Preps rankings, but, you know, there are people and they're not just people from Kuski. You know, there are people, you know, that I've talked to from multiple venues, if you will, that have said, uh, Clearwater Valley is the 10. Um, okay, you know, um, not really seeing that one. And, you know, you talk about what you're talking about there. Okay, now again, maybe there's a little chip on their shoulder saying, okay, you want number 10? Here comes number 10. You know what I mean? We're yeah. going to show you what number 10 is going to look like and feel like. Yeah, I, I just I, re- I really like the Rams the more I look at this matchup. And again, if I'm wrong next week, I'll come back and own it for sure. Radford River fans are going to... For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let me have it when I go there on Saturday. Um, okay, Butte County is hosting Lapway. The Pirates lose that game to Grace last week for the District 5-6 championship. Uh, kind of a back-and-forth game. Grace ends up mm-hmm. uh, winning by a score. And so now, you know, Butte County, oh boy, they've just been a roller coaster this year, haven't they? They get the win over Radford River, and then they... Are losing to grace and they just it's kind of been an uneven ride this year for the pirates they they haven't been as consistent as they've normally been as we're used to now granted they still had a good season and they're still very much of a threat to make a deep run in the 1a division one playoffs but i think in past years we've been a little more accustomed to seeing them uh a little more dominant shall we say um and and they haven't always been this year um they've they've played maybe uh, you know, go back to that carry game where they played a really good half and then a not so good half. Um, you know, I think that's been a little bit more of the story. And so for Sam Thorngren and his coaches and his kids, I think their challenge is going to be we've got to find the best version of ourselves. And that's who we've got to go be. And if they can be that team, I think they can beat anybody in the bracket. You know, I think when you're talking about Corey Gamut and you're talking about Trayton Allen and you're going up and down that list, they've got as good a playmakers as anybody in the state. They really do. Um, on the other side of that, that field, you've got a Lapway team that's coming in hot. You talk about a team that had to play their way in. They were all but left for dead. When we were talking about Clearwater uh, Valley as, a, as an at-large, Lapway was basically left for dead. And, and they've done a tremendous job just taking care of business. And you can say whatever you want about, oh, they, you know, they beat teams when they were down. They beat teams that were behind them in the schedule or in the standings, whatever. The key to that phrase is they beat them. They did what they needed to do. They took care of business. Terrell Ellenwood Jones has been fantastic all year long. Elias Yearout has been fantastic. Promise Shaw, you go up and down the list there. That team, they got down early in the season. They got down early, and they fought their way back in. So when you look at an 11-6, given Butte County's kind of, you know, they're, they're little, like you said, the little bit of the up and down, the up and down, and the fact that Lapway's coming in on a little bit of a roll, this is a dangerous game. This is a pretty dangerous game for Butte County, and I don't think you would normally think of a 6-11 as, oh, man, you know, this is a this is a toss up. This is anybody's game. Yeah, it could it, be. It really could be. And I think the weather. Uh, I haven't looked at my, you know my, the Arco app on my on my phone to see what the weather is going to be like. The weather could be a big factor in this game um, because we know that Butte County wants to bang it. You know they they want to hammer you into submission. They don't try to do anything all that fancy. 
And if the weather lends itself to that, that's a big advantage for Butte County. Yeah, I think the the read on Lapway is make them play outside in, in adverse conditions. That was kind of the story on them last year, especially yep. in that semifinal round. And Well, with uh, their athleticism, if, if the track is slow and the track is muddy, mitigate it. You know, and if if it's if it's rainy, if it's windy, if it's miserable cold, not to say that Lapway kids aren't tough. It's just physically harder to be the fastest guy in the field when you're running through mud, you know, and it's and and that's when, you know, that's what you talk about with, you know, we're going to make you play through the conditions here. And, and that's where that's where I say that can be a big advantage for for Butte County. Now, if it's if it's it's. 50 and there's not a cloud in the sky and there's not even a hint of a breeze we could have a big time track meet in that game but let's say it's rainy let's say it's windy let's say the field conditions aren't great i think that that bodes well for butte county now the weather could change between now and then will i'm looking right now arco saturday 1 p.m that's the kickoff 43 and partly cloudy okay so it should be as long as there's not a lot of rain leading up to it field conditions should be okay Yep, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any precip leading up to it. So a uh, couple of factors here. Lapway has to travel 467 miles, 7 hours, 47 minutes. That's probably a two-day trip, especially with it being on a Saturday. Um, I think for Lapway as well, they started 0-3 in the conference and 1-3 and overall, and people are just like, yeah, Lapway, they're garbage. Look at the three losses. They lost to Kamii by 6, 34-28. It was a good they- game. They lost to Clearwater Valley 34 to 22. What's that by 12? And that was with CB getting a score late. They mm-hmm. led that they led that game in the fourth quarter. And then CB had a fantastic comeback. And then and they one lost one of those games. Uh Herschel Williamson, the the cameo, or I'm sorry, the the Lapway running back got hurt, correct? Yes. So they they lose by 12 to Clearwater Valley, and then they lost to Logos by 10. It was it, I think he got hurt in that CB game. And they lose to Logos the next week without him. Those three losses are all by, you know, 12 to, to six points. It's not like they were getting blown out. They were just, you know, running into some bad luck. And so Lapway is very good. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Lapway. And um, I think also you're going to see with all the White Pine teams that are in Clearwater Valley, Lapway, and Kamii, I think the league as a whole has a chip on its shoulder to say, we are the premier league in, in Idaho eight man football. And we got three teams to the playoffs. We're going to show max preps that the best football still is played up North. I think the entire league and those teams are all going to have chips on their shoulders to carry the banner for the conference this year as well. Well, if you've got, if you've got Clearwater Valley and Lapway, if they both go on the road and win, you can certainly make that argument. Now, if they go on the road and they both get drilled, which I do not expect, then the rest of the state will kind of be doing the, you know, Bart Simpson, ha ha, you know, they'll, they'll feel somewhat vindicated, but um, I, I don't, I don't expect either of those games to be, you know, 60 to nothing type games either way. No, it, it should be an, another very interesting matchup. And then our final matchup is uh, Friday at four o'clock in Cary Panthers. The newcomers to the one AD one level will host Idaho city. The uh, second auto bit from district three, well, I'm going to be honest, Idaho City just barely got past Wilder on, on Friday, a, a Wilder team that we know has, you know, struggled a little bit at times this year. I just, I don't see this ending well. I think 
I'm not speaking out of school here when I say District 3 was not the strongest conference this year. Um, and great for Idaho City for making the playoffs, but there's I can count probably uh, several teams that would love to have that playoff st- slot instead. Sure. Um, I just, it, and it's a tough matchup with Kerry, certainly, but. You know, Idaho City does have a great running back in Brody Backus. Kerry uh, also has a couple of good running backs in Connor Simpson and, and Colton Larna. You know, Simpson missed a game or two in the middle of the year with an in- injury. And mm-hmm. yep. uh, Larna yeah. stepped in. I they think didn't Idaho miss City, if they want to compete in this game, Backus and Ian Rober have to be on their A-plus game. I mean, they, they have to play. They have to be the best players on the field for Idaho City by a wide margin. Because they, you know, Kerry just has more weapons. You know, you didn't even mention Preston Wood, the sophomore quarterback's had a pretty nice year. Uh, Riley Morey has been very explosive. Carson Perks, you know, they they've got a bunch of kids who can do some damage. I want to give Idaho City credit. This was a team that was left for dead three weeks ago. You know, much like Lapway, they were a team where everybody had just kind of put them in the okay, we'll see you next fall category. And and credit to those coaches and those kids. They found a way to get it done, and they found a way to get in. And if you ask any of those teams, you know, you you talked about those teams, Logos, Troy, Valley, Glens Ferry, you know, you ask Prairie, you ask any of those teams, would you rather be sitting at home this weekend or would you rather be in Cary, Idaho, playing the Cary Panthers? 100 out of 100 would choose to be in Cary, Idaho. So every one of them is wishes they were in Idaho City's shoes right now. That said... This isn't a great matchup for Idaho City. I know Jason Rover, the head coach up there, he's a great guy. He's very highly respected coach. He'll have those kids ready to play, but he needs big games, and I mean big games, out of his best players. If he gets that, maybe they have a chance to, to make a fight out of it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. That'll be one of the earlier games on Friday, so that may set the tone for what else we see the rest of the week. Uh, before we duck out of here, we did want to mention with Kerry last week, we were there for the game uh, against Rap River on IdahoSports.com. Before the game, they made the announcement that Lane Kirkland, in his 22nd year as the head coach of the Kerry Panthers, is uh, retiring after this season, which is just uh, bravo on a tremendous coaching career. He took over. Uh, his, his dad had been the carry coach for 19 years prior to that. So uh, kind of like at Lakeland last year where Tim Kiefer resigned or retired as the football coach after his dad, Terry Kiefer, had coached forever. You know, first time since the Jimmy Carter administration that there wasn't a Kiefer coaching <laughs> the Lakeland Hawks. Uh, we're going to have something very similar at Cary next year. Yeah, you and I were joking when we were prepping for this podcast. Uh, Tegan Kirkland, senior offensive lineman for Kerry, he better dust off his whistle, get ready to be the head coach at Kerry next year, keep this family thing going. And, um, you know, I, I I don't think I'm anywhere near alone when I make this statement. When you talk about what Lane Kirkland and his dad have done at Kerry, they are one of the preeminent football programs, regardless of classification, in the state of Idaho. And you can say, well, Highlander, Coeur d'Alene, you know, give, give Lane Kirkland those types of resources and those types of numbers to draw from. I bet you he would do about the same. But given what he's got to work with, Kerry, it's a, it's a small community. It's a small school. You know, he's got – he's choosing from the same 40 or so kids as every other sport is choosing from. And, and all he does is win seven, eight, nine games a year, compete for state championships – and they've been doing it for two decades. 
for three decades. It's amazing what they have done. And, and, you know, you give me that choice. You give me that, you know, capital or carry Eagle or carry twin falls, Bishop Kelly, you know, whoever, or carry carry as a program. When we keep it all relative. Sure. If you put carry on the field and say, go play, you know, insert 5A school here, it may not go well. But let's remember, they beat a 4A school a couple years ago. You know, let's remember that. When you when you keep the context of the program size in mind, I will put carry up there against any program in the state of Idaho as far as this, you know, carry should be on the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of, of Idaho high school football. That's how good they've been for the better part of three decades, if not longer. Yeah. You mentioned uh, during the pandemic, Carrie played Wood River because they're both in Blaine County and the COVID protocols were pretty strict there. So they were like, well, let's just play each other since we can't play anybody else. And they uh, did 11 man uh, football when Wood River had the ball, eight man football when Carrie had the ball. And and, and it Carey wasn't close. That, no. that was the thing. It wasn't like it was 14 to 12. No. Carrie whooped them, whooped yep. them. Yep. And so Coach Lane Kirkland, obviously, has developed great football players, but he's developed great people, people that have gone on uh, both in Idaho and Cary and, and, and nationwide that have done incredible things. And that's really the bedrock of, of his program is, you know, we're going to go out and do well and compete and give our best in the football field. But we're we're also going to make sure that you are the best person you can be when you leave these halls at carry high. And so it's just been a tremendous career. He's, and the other thing too, is they've, they've had some assistant coaches that have been there a lot. You know, Lane Durchie has been coaching since 2006 with Lane Kirkland. So, I mean, there's a long time assistant that's been there. Um, it, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, who fills that position moving forward. Uh, big shoes to fill. Certainly. Yeah, and I, I'm also a little bit concerned about our boss, Paul, kind of the uh, the Cary, Idaho correspondent for IdahoSports.com. If there's ever a game to do in Cary, you know Paul's signing up for it because they bring him cheeseburgers and Mountain Dew until he can't take any more. So how's, how's he handling the news? Is he doing okay? I think so. You know, he's uh, like us, just marveling at what a tremendous career it's been for Lane Kirkland. And, you know, you don't always get the storybook ending, right? But uh, going out on top with another championship certainly would be quite a finish to uh, Coach Lane Kirkland's career, certainly. So we just wanted to give some kudos to Coach Kirkland on what's been a fantastic career at Cary. So uh, it all starts. about a possible quarterfinal matchup, if you will. Cary taking on notice. Because I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on notice a little bit because District 3 has been down this year. That would be a sneaky, sneaky, fun football game if those two get to play in two weeks. We, we've we got you penciled in to do that game for us, Will, so make sure your calendar's clear. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I certainly hope it comes to pass because, you know, Connor Simpson and, and Colton Larna against, you know, Carter Woodland, you know, that, that kid, I don't know. You know, in years past, and we can go into this more next week, in years past, I think there's been pretty clear cut, okay, this is our D1 player of the year, this is our D2 player of the year. I'm not sure that I've, I'm feeling a clear cut player of the year. I think there's any number of ways it can go, a lot of which might get determined over the next few weeks. Carter Woodland's one of those kids. I think he's a kid that if he has a strong playoff run, I'm not going to be blown away if, if, if the coaches vote him 
uh, as, as a potential player of the year in the state of Idaho. Yeah, and he's just a great person as well. We had both uh, Joe Woodland, the notice coach, and Carter on on our Treasure Valley prep cast this summer to do it. And they're just, uh, he's just what you want your son to be like. He's just the upstanding model student athlete citizen. He's just a great kid, period. And so, yeah, I think he touched the ball four times last week. And I, I can't remember if he scored four touchdowns, but he, he ran the ball twice for 70 yards. Returned him, a punt return. And yeah, and, and a pick, and, pick six. Yeah. And that's been the thing with notice is they've had a bunch of games. If you go back to about week four on week three on every game has been like 64 to 14, you know, 60 to 12. So there, there've been a lot of games where he's really only been out there for about half you know, he's not getting 20, 30 touches. He's not getting to accumulate crazy stats. But when he is getting his touches, he's he's making big plays. Yeah, well, big plays are in store for all of our eight-man teams as they navigate their way through the playoffs. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us here on the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast. Next week, we will have actual first-round results to talk about. That bracket will be a little more filled in. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to break down quarterfinal matchups, which is so exciting. Well, uh, it's the best yep. time of the year. Yep. Going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, until then, enjoy the competitions Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, everyone. And we'll see you back here next week for another postseason edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. <laughs>